Our Heavenly Father, we, um, we all know that were it not for your undying love, that we would have wandered from a path of righteousness years ago. But it is your love that will not let us go. It is that preserving love that is attributable for our continuing on in this walk of faith. We understand, O oh God, that the, uh, the faithfulness that is so important is yours. Indeed, you would ask us to be faithful, but in the midst of our fallenness, we have, we have been far short of that standard. And yet, O oh God, were you not faithful to us? If yours was not a love that would not let us go, none of us would have remained. And so we come to to praise you, to worship you for, a, for being the God who is constant in his care, constant in his love, constant in his forgiveness. Our Father, uh, today is special for many of us. It is a, a reminder that of all the providences that have gone into bringing us to this day, that we are still together that we are uh, looking to go on into the future with greater um, marching orders from the Heavenly Father. And I pray, Father, that you will not allow us to forget that uh, if anything good is to be accomplished, it must be done by the power and might of the triune God. That the flesh profits nothing, that Jesus has reminded us that without him, we can do nothing. And Father, what has been done has been accomplished by your kind intention, your kind support. We would not dare steal one modicum of glory from you. And so, Father, accept our praise this morning. We are a grateful people, and we pray that you will indeed never leave us nor forsake us. Take away, Father, lots of things. You can have the buildings. You can have the land. You can have the, the chairs. But, oh, God, do not forsake us. If you, oh, God, were to leave us, all would be naught. Oh, Father, you who will not let us go, we adore you this morning in Christ Jesus. We pray in that name as well. Amen. Thank you. Letter of Paul to the Corinthian church in chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'd like to read you just a few verses, four verses, which have to do, of course, with the institution of the Lord's Supper. Paul is writing to correct some abuses that had gone on in Corinth uh, as the uh, Corinthian church had uh, wrongly uh, administered this sacred uh, sacrament. Follow it. As I'm going to begin reading at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11:23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in, remember, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. When uh, Gracie Van began uh, 10 years ago, there was some uh, question as to what she stood for. Many of the questions that arose were really my fault. Um, the questions that arose were because I um, foolishly permitted an uh, a interview over, over the phone by the commercial appeal. And uh, being young and naive, uh, I got trapped into several little things. And then, and then an article came out in the paper um, that really did not represent what I said. And um, as a result, my wife wouldn't leave the house for months. There was uh, all kinds of suggestions in it that were embarrassing to me as to what this church stood for and what she was trying to do. Um, I think after 10 years that some of those questions have been answered. At least I hope they have. And I hope that, that you know as, uh, as a group of believers what we stand for as a church. But in case you've, uh, you've missed it, I wanted to take our birthday and remind you what it is that we're all about here at Grace of Anne. Uh, in the providence of God, uh, our birthday landed on the second Sunday of the month, which, as you know, our habit, our custom here at Gracie Van is to celebrate the Lord's Supper on the second Sunday of the month. And the first thought that occurred to me was, okay, we need to cancel the sacrament and, um, and let's do something else that would be more birthday uh, appropriate. And then my second better thought was, no, what is it that... Um, that better sums up, what is a better summation of who we are as a church than this sacrament? Um, that's going to need a bit of explaining, but I hope you'll stay with me because uh, I, I want to I remind you of some things, and I'm going to use this sacrament to do so. This meal, this sacramental meal called the Lord's Supper, has two major dimensions to it. I think you've heard me in the past uh, call this the cornerstone of the Christian faith. That is, the, um, the symbols that are here on this table represent what is the, um, the cornerstone of Christianity. Because in these symbols, what we're doing, um, in fact, <coughs> our text says, in verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And so in symbolic fashion, with uh, the breaking of bread and this spilling of blood, we are symbolically declaring and heralding and proclaiming the gospel. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there is no church that you can ever go into on the face of the planet that administers this sacrament where you cannot hear the gospel. No matter how liberal they might be, no matter how disdainful they may be of the scriptures, no matter how unbelieving that church may be, if this sacrament is observed, the gospel is there. Because this, this sacrament, ladies and gentlemen, 
is a representation in dramatic form, in pictorial form, in symbolic form of that which is the cornerstone of our faith, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. This is not a ritual um, that, that, that its fundamental message can be missed, even by the pagans. Even though they might not accept it uh, or reject it, they've got to understand what he's doing is symbolizing the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. So one of the things that this sacrament does is to remind us that we have a message that you and I as a body have a message that we're supposed to be proclaiming that message is simply that Jesus saves by his his death and his resurrection Jesus saves sinners who will with a hand of faith lay hold of him this is at least a monthly reminder of something that is the, at the absolute heartbeat of our church. That is that we have a message. We have a message that must be proclaimed, a message that must be born accurately, a message that is designed to tell men who are even in rebellion and defiance before God. We have a message to tell them that peace, has been established between God and man by the blood of the cross of Christ, by spilled blood, that the terms of the peace that was necessary have been provided by the God who sent his son to, to break his body and to spill out his blood. Gang, um, this is a very significant part. Do you remember how we say it? That we in, as a church are in business to reach an unchurched world. And every month we get a reminder in this sacrament that there is an event that took place which provides for us a message that we can take to them. That Jesus saves. That we are to spread glad tidings all around. That Jesus saves. Jesus saves. <clears throat> now, gang, that's that's one of the dimensions of this sacrament. You and I. As a, as a body, we exist. We exist to reach them who have never heard what you and I have heard and never embraced it. And this is the essence of the message that we take to them. A message about a Savior who broke his body and spilled his blood. But um, to that end, in our church, we have designed programs Programs we have put in place to train people as to how they can be better equipped to share their faith. Um, we have, in the last 12 months, under the leadership of Jeff Simons, we have trained more people 
in the last 12 months as to how to share their faith than we ever have in any 12-month period prior to that. But gang, um, training is not enough. Is there room to improve for us? Oh, you bet. Are, are we satisfied with the number of people who came to know Jesus Christ through us? Oh, no, indeed. But I must remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that we as a leadership of this church are passionately, passionately committed to reach them. We will train, we will urge, we will cajole, we will do whatever we need, need do, but we want to see the people of God mobilized to reach men and women for Jesus Christ. And every month, we get a reminder of the message which we, which we take to them. Now, let me hasten on. There's another dimension to this sacrament. Am I saying that the only reason that we do this is so that we can be reminded of the message that we have to take to them? Well, no, I'm not. Is, is this sacrament um, only a benefit uh, for them as they uh, hear the gospel? No, it's not. This sacramental meal has much benefit and much, it is designed to benefit you as well. Um, have you, is this term a new one for you? Have you ever heard of this term, the means of grace? Have you ever heard of that term? Well, uh, let me tell you what that is. The means of grace refers to a, to a group of things, a group of items, a group of uh, procedures or practices that God has prescribed so that we as a body might grow, might mature. <coughs> um, the Bible is a means of grace. Prayer is a means of grace. Fellowship is a means of grace. Here's one you won't like. Suffering is a means of grace. Those are things that God has appointed and to use to grow us up in the faith. And my point is this. Guess what else is a means of grace? Sacraments. Sacraments are designed or are entrusted to us so that every time you and I participate in sacraments by faith that we feed on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now wait just a minute, Jimmy, you lost me. You mean to tell me that as I participate in this supper, I can grow? That's exactly what I mean to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. And if you'd like it further described, then I invite you to check out John 6, beginning at verse 51, and go through verse 56, where Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood. Are we cannibals? Is that what was intentioned? No, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. But you and I, as we lay hold of these things which represent that event, when joined to faith, we meet and fellowship with Christ himself. Now, all I'm trying to point out is this. Not only does this have a dimension to it that says... There is a gospel that we have to proclaim. There is also a dimension to it that says that you and I as believers can grow as we participate in sacraments. Do you get it? We are in business to reach an unchurched world through 
maturing believers, and we see these sacraments properly administered and rightly received as a primary cog in the whole process of seeing us grow up more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. When these sacraments are rightly handled and rightly received by, by you, ladies and gentlemen, there is, a, there is an element of maturation that goes on in our souls as we feed upon Jesus Christ. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm suggesting is that what you have here is a sacrament that reminds us of our statement of vision, our statement of purpose. It is one that simply says, we are here, we are, as, we are designed, we are a church that is in business to reach an unchurched world through maturing believers. Let me say a couple other things and I'll finish and we'll head to the meal itself. Gang, if, you, if you're still awake and you've heard this, if you've ever thought about this, our statement of purpose has two major halves to it. Reaching an unchurched world through maturing believers. That's the second half. And I want you to know something. We do one of those fairly well. The half that says stimulating our people to grow up, I think we're seeing God use us. But gang, I think you'll agree with me. On the other half, we are not doing so good. We find our people enjoying their growth, but ladies and gentlemen, get this, get this, get this. We are going to reach an unchurched world through maturing. That is, we're not trying to see you grow just for growth's sake. We're trying to see you grow up more and more to the image of Jesus Christ so that that process will ultimately flesh itself out in a realization and a burden that we have got to reach them. And until our maturation has done that, ladies and gentlemen, we are not grown up. Until we understand that God has given us rich means of grace so that we can mature, but the purpose of that maturation is so that we can reach them. Then we haven't grown up enough. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, ten years. Ten years you've put up with me. And um, I don't know that you'll put up with me another twelve months. But if you decide to, and I lead this congregation for another ten years, let me tell you where I'm going to lead you. Two things. First of all, I'm going to try to convince you that our expansion is over. We don't need to um, be thinking about getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I am not saying, ladies and gentlemen, that we may not build any more buildings. But I'll guarantee you this, if we build any more buildings, somebody else is going to have to raise the money. 
I'm finished. I almost died over the last one. And I'm not saying that God may not grow us and we may not have to build auxiliary buildings, but I'm, I am saying this. And you mark this down, ladies and gentlemen, that I am going to try to convince you that more and more of our resources must be pointed away from us. That a higher and higher and higher percentage of our resources must be given away instead of terminating on a... Now, guys, don't misunderstand me. I think this sanctuary's got to be built. And for heaven's sakes, I wish they'd start. I'm all... I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent behind that, and I need, think I need, need to be done. But I'm telling you, after that, the mantra that you're going to be hearing from me is more and more of our resources are going to be pointed outside of us. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. What I want to see in Gracie Van is something that I do not see that exists today. It is a climate. It is a climate. And, you know, part of the climate is, because is I think we like each other. I think in the main, we enjoy one another. That's wonderful. In fact, um, when I hear you gabbing in, the, you know, uh, while we're shaking hands and all that business, I, I just rejoice in that. Because I think we basically enjoy one another. But there's another part of the climate that I want us to, to have focus. And that is a burden for, an expectation of, an interest in seeing people come through those doors and meet Jesus Christ. That is that the thing that really excites us is that God is adding to his kingdom, not so much by reshuffling the deck and adding more people from other churches. That, that happens, that's fine, it happens to us, it happens to others. But the excitement among us will be that God is using us He's using our church. He's using us as individuals to impact people such that they meet the same Jesus that we've fallen in love with. A climate. A climate that absorbs us. That makes us intentioned about seeing more and more people introduced to our Savior. I got two suggestions and I'm finished. These are small things. But as we begin to build a climate, I want to ask you to do something. Are you ready? <clears throat> it's pretty simple. But boy, you're not going to like it. Here's all I'm asking. That for the first five minutes after church, when I say, I'm in, have a glorious Sabbath, the first five minutes after that, you take and go find somebody that you would think is new to this congregation. Because the first five minutes are the most important. You know what, what you're doing. You're trying to find your buds to talk to, etc. And what a wonderful thing that is. But in that first five minutes, the people who are, who are new, they're gone. I want us to get a, a, a burden for them. Forget your friends. 
Get back to him after the first five minutes. But just take the first five minutes and go track down somebody. Guys, I want to tell you a quick story. We're going to be a little bit later this morning. Just bear with me. David Harbour gave me a tape uh, that was by John Blanchard. And I've, I've listened to almost all of it. But um, he, does, he does something that I just thought was great. I, I, if I had time, we'd do it this morning. But we don't have time. <clears throat> Here's what he did. He was speaking to this big audience and he said, I'd like for you all to stand where you're, uh, where you're seated. Just stand and take the next 30 seconds and go greet people around you. And I want you to greet them with this mindset or this uh, attitude that I am going to say hello to you, but I'm looking for something, somebody more important than you are. And um, uh, somebody, you're really not who I want to talk to. I'm really looking for somebody that uh, uh, I like better. You know, hi. Good to <laughs> it, but you're <clears throat> so they did that. Then he got them all quieted, and then he said, Now, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to take the next 30 seconds and go greet people like they were your long-lost buddies. Like they were the, the people that you had been missing for months. Couldn't wait to see them. So they did that. Then he got them all settled down back in their chairs, and he said, Now tell me, which one of those had the most energy to it? What I want you to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to adopt a, for a climate to exist among us that we're knocking chairs down so that we can go get to people who we haven't yet found out whether they know the same Jesus we do. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what I think Gracie Van is all about. And I challenge you if you let me stay another 10 years, let's head there. What do you say? Let's pray. Our Father, I do thank you for the 10 years of kind providence that you have showered on us. Uh, we are a people who understand that um, we have done things, some things well and some things not so well. And uh, ultimately, we want to uh, please you Ultimately, we want to see a face, uh, a smile on your face. And so I pray, O oh God, that number one, as we take this sacrament, that you will remind us that there's a message that we have to bear, a very clear, certain sound that we as Christians are supposed to be bearing. And number two, that as we participate and focus on Christ by faith, that you will nourish our souls. For Jesus' sake, we ask it.